It's nice to be uh, back with you. I don't think I've been here for a long time. I spoke this message last week uh, at our church. We've been going through Luke since the church started in 2019, and I hope we get it done before Jesus comes back. Um, no lie, everyone's like, we've been at this for a while, but Luke talks a lot, you know what I'm saying? So we try to get uh, through it. So we're doing and talking from verse 11 to 27. And at this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus is on his journey now to Jerusalem. And he's on this journey to give his life. That's what he's going to Jerusalem to do, to give his life, the Bible says, as a ransom for many. And he tells a story. And he tells this story because verse 11 says, as they heard these things, so he had just finished dealing with Zacchaeus, and it says, as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So the disciples are like, okay, we're getting close to Jerusalem. This thing must be coming close to being wrapped up. They're like, it must be happening immediately. And, and you got to understand, they, they want it to be wrapped up. They want the kingdom to come because these are brothers who are living under oppression. They're under Roman rule. And so they're like, we know that when the kingdom comes, this thing is, it's going to be all good. It's going to be over. So they, they, they ask this question out of like urgency and a real desire for it to be better. What I'm trying to show you here is they have a good desire, but they have to wait. What they want is not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but they have to wait. And here's what I'm trying to get to with it. Sometimes in your life, you have to wait on God. Oh, you're not awake. Let me try it again. Yeah, you got to talk to me up here, okay? I'm setting it up for Ted next week. Sometimes in your life, you got to wait on God. Yes. You have to wait, but here's the thing, and waiting's hard, ain't it? I was at my doctor's office uh, on Thursday. I'm like, come on. I got there on time, and people are going in in front of me. Waiting's hard. Waiting is, how many know it's hard? Say it's hard. Yes, but here's the thing. When you're waiting on God, remember this. God is doing something bigger than you. When you're waiting on God, remember that God is doing something big in you. Sometimes we don't realize in the waiting, God's working on you. And in the waiting, you got to remember sometimes God is doing something better for you. And you just got to trust and wait. Now, sometimes I do this. I tell stories, and I tell it just to promote myself. Sometimes I tell a story, maybe you do it too, you know, where you're just trying to get a laugh. But when Jesus tells a story, it's always to help you and to bless you. To help you and to, and you got to, so Jesus here tells these guys the story for two reasons. He tells them that because he wants them to know he's going away for a while. See, their thinking is messed up. Don't you get, don't you go wrong sometimes in your thinking? And God's got to, well, you're going left, it's time, you know, you got to go this way. Their thinking is messed up. And so he tells them the story because he's like, I want you to think straight. I'm going away for a while. And he tells them for the other reason is because he wants them to practice good habits until he returns. There's some things you got to do until the king comes with the kingdom. And how many of y'all know the king is coming? Yeah, oh, yeah. I got a hand here. My man. Notice verse 12. 
He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. Jesus is going to get what is his. And return. Jesus is coming back. Tell somebody, yes, he is. He's going to come like summer. Aren't we, don't we want that? Barbecue season, right? One day you're going to see Jesus like a movie. One day he's going to come knocking like a neighbor. Jesus is coming with, yes, Kathy, yes. Jesus is coming with the full kingdom, right? In a world full of lies, one day you're going to be standing in front of the truth. The king is coming. So here's what, you, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I'm going to try to do. Maybe you want to join me in the meantime. Here's the first one. Be a wise disciple because we live and minister in a context that is hostile to the king. Look at verse, where am I? Verse 13. It says, calling 10 servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But it's But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. So you got this this nobleman calls his servants towards him and he gives them what belongs to him. And he says, engage in business until I come. Here's a couple things we should take from this. Jesus wants us to apply ourselves in every area of life. He says, engage in business until I come. He, and, and here's the thing about applying yourself in life. The amount of effort you put in is the amount you can expect back out. Okay. The amount of effort you put in is what you can expect back out. And let me say this. If you're being lazy, you're not listening. Apply yourself. Here's this other one. Jesus equips some disciples and sends them into the business world. Bet you didn't think you're going to hear that this morning. It's right in the text. Engage in business until I come. And maybe you're in the business world now, and maybe you're going to be in that world later. Here's the word for you. Stay honest. As you engage in business, avoid the shortcuts that are, are going to present themselves. And here's the other thing. As you're in that business world... Be creative. Try new things. Because as you do this, you know what you're doing? You're provi- you're, this is how you provide for yourself. This is how you, you bring value to society. This is how you create uh, innovation and competition. Don't we want it? The word's better, right? Innovation and competition. Engage. Put yourself in. Here's what I want you to see. Doing business is biblical. As you do business, though, you always have to be ethical. Did you hear me? Let me say it again. Doing business is biblical. Apply yourself. But always be ethical. So this nobleman, he gives these servants an opportunity. But the citizens, though, are showing hostility. Did you see it in the text? Verse 14. We do not want this man to reign over us. This is the, the servants. They have to go out and serve in amongst these voices. And what's true for them is true for you. Don't you understand that? You live in a society where you're like, Jesus is my king. And a whole bunch of people are saying, he's not my king. Jesus reigns over me. And a whole bunch of them are saying, I don't want him to reign over me. This is where you live. 
This is the society that you have to do your work in. Dale Davis said, we serve between the smile of Jesus and the frown of the world. That is where we live. And this is why in your life, as you apply yourself, as I've been talking about, as you engage and do whatever it is that God puts in front of you, we have to be people who are wise as serpents and innocent as doves. While engaging, we got to be wise with our words. We got to be wise with our relationships. We got to be wise with our decision making. We got to be wise at our jobs. We got to be wise with our social moves. You know why? Because some people in this world are smiling while scheming. Because they know where your loyalty lies. That person who loves you right now, sometimes they're just listening for you to say that thing. And all of a sudden you're like, where did the hostility come from? Well, they don't want your king to reign over them. Wise as serpent, innocent as doves. The context that we are in is hostile. And sometimes that can mess with our, our habits and our thoughts. Here are some ways it messes with us. It makes some people hate the culture. Because the context is hostile, it makes some people hate the culture. For them, in the culture, nothing is redeemable. Nothing good here. And so... I want to say to this person, don't lose sight of the, of the fact that God has the power to change anything and anyone. Do I need to say it again? Anything and anyone. Then there's some people who fear the culture. They fear the culture. Oh, it's hostile. People are against us. And so all I'm going to do is I'm just going to tuck in and I'm going to hide and just wait for the king to come and just completely withdraw and not engage at all. Well, God gave me a word for you. Here's the word. Get in the word. That's where your mind is renewed. Build wise and good relationships. Play, pray for God's direction and protection. Like the artist Storms, he says, Holy Spirit, guide me to what is good, and then go ahead and engage. Get busy. Don't just stand back. Because here's the thing, sometimes when we withdraw from the culture, sometimes when you're like, oh, I'm just going to back off, I'm not going to participate, what you have done is you have lost sight of the fact that God could use you to influence somebody in the culture. Sometimes we're so afraid of the culture influencing us, we forget that God could use you to make a difference in the darkness. You get that? Come on, talk, come on. Maybe I'm spoiled. Honestly, I'd like, at the North, they're, they're sometimes they're saying, say it again, Marv. <laughs> Come down if you want to see it. It's okay. Maybe you're a little bit sleepy. I'll just yell a little bit louder then. God can use you to make a difference. Engage, participate. This is the other thing. Some people, here's another way that living in a hostile culture messes with us. Some people just blend into the culture. Ooh, I'm touching somebody with that. Some people just blend into the culture, and you look no different. The witness isn't strong. Nobody is aware of where your loyalties lie. Nobody's aware of any of your convictions. And sometimes we blend out of fear. I get it. You don't know how it may turn. Some people just 
blend into the culture. You look no different. Well, I'll say to this person, you shouldn't just blend into culture. We should humbly critique and challenge the culture. That's what it means to be salt and light. That's what Jesus wants from you. Then there's some people who get worn down by the culture. Maybe you're in this spot where all the lies, all the doubt, all the other people swimming in the other direction has just got you worn down a little bit. And you're wondering, is it all worth it? Is, what the, is, the, is, is the king really coming? Is the king really on his throne? And you're wondering, should I keep the faith? Or maybe, I'll, maybe I, should just, I should just go with those other people. Well, my word to you is the scriptures are true. There are God breathed and God cannot lie. And so the word to you is ask the spirit to empower you, to renew you, and deepen your conviction and your resolve. Because what you're doing right now, sitting under the word, singing praises to God, hugging your neighbor in the hallway after when you're doing that coffee business, that is right. Your faith is not in vain. And when the king comes, doing the right thing, staying on the right path, not the crooked path, doing what is right, following your convictions, saying, I'm trusting you, God, even though I don't always understand it or know what you are doing, I'm sticking with you because I know the king is coming and I know I'm going to be rewarded for this. And so the word is, hold on. The king is coming and it's going to be renewed and made right. King is coming with the, the full kingdom. Here's what I'm doing. I hope you join me. Be a faithful disciple. Because with responsibility comes accountability. Oh, yeah, Chris is nodding. With responsibility comes accountability. Look at verse 15. When he returned, remember I told you the king is coming. When he returned, all you got to do is just circle how many times you see return, return, return. When he returned, he received, having received the kingdom, Jesus is going to get what is his. He ordered those servants to whom he had given the money to be called that he might know what they had gained by doing business. So the king comes back and he says, everybody that belongs to me, everybody that calls themselves a servant, come on over here because it's time to settle up. It's time to check what's been going on since I've been gone. Right? When the cat's away, the mice cannot play. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying stuff as it comes to me. Okay, and here's the thing. When you look deep in this, what you see is good stewardship will be acknowledged and rewarded. Good stewardship will be acknowledged and rewarded. Look at verse 17. And he said, well done, good servant. Because, oh, let me go back. The first, go to 16. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has ten, made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, you are to be over five cities. We don't know how everybody did, but two of them did real well. Right? What do we say? They had a good day at the office. One made ten. 
One made five. They, what did what they, what they do? They applied themselves. Say, yes, they did. They applied themselves. They handled their business, and they were given more responsibility and more opportunity. They handled their business, and opportunity came, and more responsibility. Here's the word. Here's the word to you. If you want to be trusted with more, take good care of the little that people give you. There's all kinds of people, and they're always walking around. I want more. I want more responsibility. I wish somebody would just trust me to, to do a little bit more. And you look at them, and you're saying, well, what are you doing more you got right now? Because based on how you're, doing, how you're handling this little thing right now, you look really irresponsible. And so it's not okay to just want more. you got to prove that you can be entrusted with more. Jason Williams, this basketball player, he said, expectation without effort is called entitlement. Oh, yeah, the minds are getting open now. Expectation without effort is called entitlement. If you agree, say, "Mm mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Verse 17, he says, well done, good servant. Don't you want to hear that at the end of your life? Well done, good servant. And here's the thing. In the context, in the context, the primary thing you got to steward really well right here is money. The thing to steward well is money. And here's some of the ways we steward money well. We steward it well by making it ethically and growing it wisely. You can't steward what you don't have making it ethically and growing it wisely. We steward it well by using it to take care of our needs and our responsibilities. And if you want, you can come up to me after. I'll give you Bible verses that go along with all of this. We steward it well by giving some to people who have significant needs. We steward it well by contributing to to the advance of God's mission near and far. We steward it well by avoiding being in major debt. We steward it well by setting some aside for our family in unexpected emergencies. You know that rainy day type stuff? We steward it well by enjoying it as a good gift from God. I want to speak to that a little bit. Because sometimes we're like, oh, I'm, I'm only stewarding well if I'm just giving, I'm giving, I'm giving. No. It's a, sometimes you gotta, you got to take a vacation, right? Is anybody tired? Am I the only one? Yeah, we got four fellas at home. Trust me. Most days it's just hiding. Yeah, it's, it's true. And it's okay to take, to take that good sit. I've taken care of my responsibilities. I've worked hard to earn this. I've given some away. I've saved some. I've given some to the church, and I'm going to Jamaica. Yeah. (laughs) No lie, that all nation Sunday, I live across the street. I might be here. It's, oh, that's that's a way to steward it well, by enjoying it. It's a gift from God. Be responsible, but also find ways to use it to take a moment to rest and recover. Be like God who rests and recover. And this last one, we steward it well by remembering that our money belongs to God. 
that it's his, that it's not ours. Now, the primary thing in the text to steward well is money, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing that you are to steward well. We are to steward our bodies well. Are you sleeping? Are you resting? Are you exercising? Are you eating properly? We are to steward our jobs well. Are you showing up on time? Are you doing what you're responsible for doing? We are to steward our time. Are you wasting it or are you using it well? We are to steward relationships. Do the people in your life know they can trust you and depend on you? We are to steward the kids in our home and our church really well. How are you doing with that, with the little ones? You're like, I don't have any kids. Yes, you do. You got brothers and sisters in Christ, and so those ones over in Hope Kids are nieces and nephews. We are to steward them well, our gifts and our talents. They belong to God. And the text is teaching you to handle it with care. Here's this next one. When he comes and settles up, we realize that there are true servants and false servants. That there are true servants and false servants. Verse 20 says, Then another came saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. Come on, brother. Right, you read the story in Matthew's gospel, the, at least the guy dug a hole and put it in the hole. This guy's like, I put it in a napkin. You're like, what? For real, a napkin? You could just turn it over, there it is. Oh, t- thank you very much. At least the other guys have to dig to find it. I laid it away in a, and he's trying to come off responsible. I laid it away in a handkerchief. Even that word's funny, right? Talking to Kim about handkerchief. Not something you hear all the time. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Watch the question. Why then did you not put the money in the bank and at my coming... I might have collected it with interest. That's a reasonable question. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minas. Sometimes God's going to do stuff and it's going to surprise you. Sometimes God's going to do stuff and you're like, "Mm, I don't know if I would have done it like that. He's like, I'm God. And tell the one who has more, uh, I tell you, the one to everyone who has more, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This guy says he knows this man. He says, I, I, I know you're severe, you're unjust. You, the way you behave, I know you. So here's the question. If he really knew, if this was really true, wouldn't he have applied himself then? If he really knew the man, see, some people in the world, they, they completely reject Jesus because they actually know nothing about him. And they make all kinds of assumptions. And so this guy's like, I know that this is where you are. And you're like, if this is true, I don't know about you, but I would have been active and working. But here's the other thing you got to realize. The way that this nobleman actually treats the other servants shows you that this is not true. They did what they were supposed to do, and he rewarded them. 
None of it is true. I want you to notice also in verse 22 that he is called a wicked servant. And that's really important. Because that word, that, that, that description, if you, if you read Proverbs, that description is always talking about a person who opposes God. And so what you have here is that this guy is actually no different than the people in verse 14. Just like them, he does not want this man to rule over him. And here's how you can know. He actually ignores a direct command. Do you remember what the command was? Engage in business until I come. He got a command and he put the money in a handkerchief. I'm trying to make sure you get it. He ignores a direct command. He is no different. Just like them, he's saying, I don't want you to rule over me. See, sometimes the way you can know if somebody really, really has Jesus ruling over them is what they do. The way they behave. Are they, sometimes we're like, is that person in? Mm. And, it's, and you're like, oh, we shouldn't judge. Well, yeah, sometimes we actually, we're supposed to be fruit inspectors. What are they doing? Does their behavior line up and match up? He ignores a direct command, and I want you to notice that he loses everything. Verse 24, and he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten mina. Here's, a, here's something to take from this. Sometimes in your life, not taking a risk is a risk. And that might be a word for the risk-averse person. He does nothing, and he loses Everything. And this, this text, you know what it asked? It had me asking myself a couple questions. What opportunities am I wasting right now in my life? Maybe you want to ask yourself those questions. What opportunities am I wasting right now? What, and here's the next one. What am I doing right now that will cost me in a week from now? Because sometimes we're so stuck on the immediate and we haven't considered what it might mean to continue to engage in that behavior for over time and over time and over time. What might it cost you in a week from now, a year from now, two years from now? You got to examine. Next question, what ability and gift has God given me but I am not stewarding it well? God has given you something. But when you look in your life, it's under the handkerchief. God has entrusted you with something. And in a room with this many people in it, I'm sure, I'm gonna, can I just be your shepherd for a minute? I'm sure there's a whole bunch of you that God has entrusted something to you, and no lie, you're not doing anything. You're like, oh, only Pastor Ted's supposed to challenge us like that. Well, he told me to challenge you. We were texting. Am I being a good steward? Or am I just sitting on that thing? Again, church this size, church this big, I'm sure there's lots of stuff that needs to get done around here, and there's only a couple people doing it. And that's not how it's supposed to look. Right? The work goes better when everybody's kicking in. That's what it means to be a family. Here's another thing to catch from this. 
We can disobey God by doing the things God says not to do. We can also disobey God by ignoring the things God says to do. He ignored. Are you ignoring? And so here's the last question. What is God telling me to do right now in my life? What is God challenging me? And here's sometimes you're like, how can I know if God's telling me what to do? Well, just look at and ask yourself, how many times is somebody who has the Spirit of God in them, who loves God, who loves me, who is for me, and they're all saying the same thing? Right? Because sometimes we can push back on the preacher and be like, well, you know, God spoke to Moses from a bush, but he, I don't see any bushes burning up in my neighborhood. And we're like, oh, I, I, I'm not hearing from God. Read the word. Talk to the people of God. And what are they saying? And if you're hearing that over and over, that's usually a sign that the Spirit is saying, go this way. Let me, I'll just give you a story from my own life. This uh, message is not the one I wanted to preach here. I knew from a a few, like a month ago, that I was coming here, and there was another passage. It's actually the the passage just before this on Zacchaeus. I'm like, that's going to be the right message. And then I asked one of our elders, and then I asked a couple other people in my life, what do you think I should preach when I go to Mississauga? And they're like, this message. And I'm like, no. (laughs) I don't want to preach that one. Because there's some things in it, honestly, the back end of this text, that I struggle to talk about. The judgment of God. I'm not great at it. I struggle to talk about it. And so I was like, oh, I'm just going to avoid that one. But then Kim was like, well, last week you said one of the ways that you can, that's my wife, one of, the ways you can, one of the ways you can know you said this, that God is telling you to go in a certain direction, is people are saying it over and over and over. So then I said, okay, Kimmy, what do you think I should preach? She's like, I think you should preach that one. I'm like, No. And so, that's, that's, but, but, but it's, there's blessing in obedience. And so what is the thing that God is saying to you? That you need to do that, but you are making no moves. Maybe God's telling you it's time to stop dating that person. That their effect on you is negative. That their effect on you is pulling you away from God. Maybe he's saying, The way that person is behaving that you're seeing now, that you're hoping that it will change, when you get married, it's going to be the same. Maybe God is telling you, commit to the church. Engage and participate in every single way because you are going to be blessed and others are going to be blessed by you. You have no idea sometimes those people who are standing off to the side, sometimes I've seen this because I've been at it long enough, they come on in and you realize like, wow, we needed that gift that you've had for so long. We've been praying for that thing and here it is. And you've been kind of sitting for a while. And sometimes you need to say, hey, you've been sitting for a while, but we're glad. Participate and get involved. Maybe God is saying to you, I talked about engaging in business. Maybe God is saying to you, do not make that business deal. Do not do that thing. That if you actually join up with that, that it actually might ruin your business. And maybe this last one, maybe God is saying to you, it's time for you to pay that debt you owe. That thing that is outstanding, just to get it right and deal with it. Now you're sitting there and you're like, all right, Marv, 
You really went at those people who might be disobeying. But I'm obeying. Right? I said this last week, right? Not everybody in church is failing every week, right? Right? Yeah, some of you are doing good. Clap. Right? Clap. (laughs) Some of you are doing real well. You are obeying. It's not, not everybody is disobeying. Some of you are, you're obeying, you're doing right. And you, but you're like, Marv, I'm obeying, but it's hard. I'm doing what God says. I hear the commands. I'm following what God says. But it is difficult. It is hard. My word to you is keep going. Because your obedience is making your father, your king in heaven, smile. And, and it's hard, yes, But always remember, in the middle of obedience, when it gets tough, that you are on that bumpy road to better. And that God is using, you are being a beautiful example to others in Christ of what it means to persevere and to endure in the things that God has said to do. Keep going. Say, keep going. Keep going. Now, you're good Bible readers, too. I know you are. So you're probably asking this question. If he is no different Right? The guy in the text. If he is no different than the citizens, why is he called a servant? If they're exactly the same, why is he called a servant if he is no different than the citizens? Because I actually believe and know Jesus is telling us and teaching us something that is very important and true about church life. Here it comes. Say, here it comes. Sometimes the subjects look like the servants. Did you hear me? Sometimes the people opposing Jesus are mingling with the people serving Jesus. Sometimes the people who hate the Lord are fronting like they love the Lord. And you're like, how does, what should, okay, that's true, how does this help? It helps you, it should help us by seeing that sometimes, that's why church is so messy. When you, so haven't you, I mean, there's blogs all over the place of all the different things going on in church and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes this is the explanation for it. Because that person that you're like, they did what? They're actually not really in the kingdom. And here's the thing that's also a little bit sort of tough with this, but we have to hold on to it. Sometimes you won't know who is really a servant and who is a subject until the end. We might, have to, we might have to live with some of that until the king actually comes. And you might sit there and, you, and then when that day comes going like, what? You don't think the disciples did that with Jesus, uh, Judas? Oh, I just had that brother at the crib. I can't believe he sold us out. It's just a, it's just a true reality. Sometimes the servants, the subjects look like the servants, but here's the thing. It will not go on like this forever. Just look at verse 27. It says, but as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. This is a symbol of the final judgment. The king is coming with the kingdom. And it's a day of rejoicing for some and a tough day 
for others. And you got to understand that they're in this spot because of pride. The Bible says pride goes before a fall. Their pride is, what is it? We don't know, want the king to reign over us. It's, it's, it's based on their own actions. It is pride. And no lie, you know, you're, you're sort of getting ready to, to preach through, you know, a book of the Bible and all that. You read it all the way through to get a sense of it. I'm just trying to give you a little background into how preachers think a little bit. And honestly, I forgot about this part. And then when, when I got to it, getting ready to preach it at our church, I, I read that verse and I was like, whoa. It's surprising. It's not kind of what you expect at the end. But Dale Davis said this, it's impossible to describe final judgment pleasantly and attractively. It is intended to surprise you and to get your attention. And it got mine. And it got my attention and it also convicted me. Because here's the thing. I am tempted at times in my life to downplay and hide the facts about judgment. Maybe it's just me. And I, and I know that I'm, it's that way because I don't want to offend anybody. But God said this to me, and maybe he's saying it to you, be an honest disciple. Because rejecting God is dangerous. And if we... See, see, when I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, ooh, I, I want to hide the facts. I don't want to share. I don't want to say. Do you know who I'm really worried about in that moment? Myself. But if we, are, if we, we stand there and we're like, we, we love, we love, we love. And I, I, believe, I believe that's true. Love believes, all, believes the best about others. If you say it, I believe it. But if we truly love people then we've got to be willing to tell them what is hard to hear, but we need to hear. That this is a true reality for those who reject Jesus Christ. That judgment is a real and serious thing. And here's the thing. You don't want to say it from this heart that's like, ha-ha, your time's coming. No, we say it from a heart that's full of compassion and concern. We say, I, we, I genuinely am worried and concerned, and I have a, a real love for you. And honestly, the king is coming with the kingdom, and I want you in it with me. I want you enjoying the joy that is there. And then you tell them, the way you get into that kingdom, the way you have that king ruling over you, the way the day of judgment becomes a day of joy and praise is by trusting in the king who took all of the judgment on himself. So we never have to face it. And here's the thing. This king takes the judgment on himself, and then he gives you these beautiful gifts. He entrusts things to you. And then here's even better. When he comes, he rewards you for your obedience and the way you behave and live your life. What a good king. Amen. We tell the truth because that is the way that this day becomes a day of joy and praise. For all those who are waiting on and will see the coming king. Remember, the king is coming with the full kingdom to reward everyone who lives wisely, who obeys, and who practice good stewardship. The king is coming. Isn't he coming? He's coming. 
And every day, every day that he has not here yet, it's actually mercy. He's giving those who say, I don't want the king to reign over me, an opportunity to come into the kingdom. And part of being a good steward of what you have is stewarding the gospel well and saying, here's the way into the kingdom. Speaking up, trusting that he is coming and you'll be rewarded for your obedience. Let's stand and pray. Father, we give you praise for the word. I pray, Lord God, that we would have been helped by the word, that we would have been encouraged by the word, taught and reminded what it means to be a good steward of what belongs to you, taught and reminded of what it means to practice and have good habits as we wait on you to come, O oh Lord. And you are coming. And I pray that reality, that True fact would help us, Lord God, to live in wise, God-honoring, God-pleasing ways every day, all day. The king is coming and we will be rewarded. Help us, Lord God, to be wise now with those things that you've entrusted to us. And to not be afraid, to not give in to the fear of man when it comes to speaking the truth in love about the seriousness of what it means to reject you. But also balancing and saying that the door is open, you can come through. And so we pray that you would help us, that we'd serve you well as we wait, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.